0: Where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits?
1: We're back continuing our talk with author Margaret Talbot about her wonderful book The Entertainer, Movies, Magic, and My Father's Twentieth Century. The father in question, of course, being actor Lyle Talbot. Well, your book has so many marvelous uh, stories that we we can't even scratch the surface, I don't think, on some of the some of these entertaining anecdotes. But there is one I just want to make mention of. Apparently, one guy that your dad was hanging out with uh, that he found very amusing was Wilson Misner. And I just hope you can say a word or two about that guy.
0: <laughs> yeah. There were two brothers, and uh, Addison, I believe, was the other brother, and they were just incredible characters. I mean, they had been involved in all kinds of, um, I mean, they were grifters, basically. They had been involved in all kinds of stuff in Florida, you know, um, crooked crooked land deals in Florida, um, kind of, you know, um, marrying, marrying older rich women for money, um, but basically being... Um, being you know quite charming and full of memorable little sayings, and people were you know, were kind of delighted with them eventually um, drifted to Hollywood and got hired managed to get hired um, on the uh, as, as writers uh, well Wilson did at Warner Brothers and um, worked on a couple of films that my father was in, and he was a guy who apparently he would um, he would just sit in the in the sort of writer's room for hours on end, apparently asleep, basically, in a big chair. And then every once in a while when they needed a line, you know, for a snappy retort or something, they'd kind of go over to him and, you know, poke him like he was sort of a turtle sleeping on a rock and in a warm sun and see if they could get anything out of him. And he would just sort of open his mouth and utter some, like, you know, terrific quip, and they would use that, and then he would kind of go back to sleep. Yeah, he's, he's a great character, and... Um, um, was written about, actually, by a, by a New Yorker writer years ago who wrote a, a, a wonderful book about, about the two uh, brothers, and I believe there's a Stephen Sondheim musical, even, based on them. They were, they were huh. incredible, incredible huh. characters.
1: And and forgive me for this one, Margaret, because I know this may make you cringe a little bit, but Lyle Talbot is one of the stars of films produced by Ed Wood. And this includes the now legendary (laughs) Plan 9 from outer space. I think few people had ever heard of Wood until uh, Harry and Michael Medved celebrated films that were so bad, they kind of became classics of a sort. Of course, after the Johnny Depp movie, uh, Wood is almost a household name, but you tell in the book this story about Ed Wood causing a rather uproarious scene in the Talbot household that I I hope you can tell us about.
0: (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, my dad um, was in uh, a couple of his movies, Plan 9 from Outer Space, Glenn or Glenda. And, uh, you know, Wood, of course, has been, you know, kind of, yeah, rediscovered in a way as, like, so bad he's good, kind of with this with this camp following. And he was a he was a cross dresser, and Glenna Glenda's you know a, 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 about that subject. Particularly loved angora sweaters apparently, and um, one of the books about him is called uh, Look Back in Angora. But you know my father didn't didn't seem to really grasp this full story about him. And there was a time when there was a uh, my father and he had been out on the town for I believe maybe a premiere of of, uh, of, of one of Woods's one of his movies both had quite a bit to drink and um so um came back and stopped in it, um, at um at at my father's uh apartment where he was then living with my mom and my two older brothers were little little boys at the time my father was just going to let ed sleep it off in the car but my mother who was a very sweet lady said and had never met wood said oh you know bring him in let him spend the night here on the on the couch and so he did and In the morning, they were, I guess, sitting, having breakfast. My father was making pancakes for for the family, and the two little boys were at the table, and Ed emerged from the bedroom or wherever he had been sleeping, and Ed would emerge wearing my mother's negligee, which had been hanging on the back of the bathroom door. You know, my mom, I think, who just had a sense of humor about these things, couldn't help it and just, I think, burst out laughing. But my father actually was kind of put out by this um because you know it was his wife's negligee and he just was a little he was a little the midwestern boy in him or something he just couldn't quite take this so he did tell ed to to leave at that point that was he kind of had it with him my father couldn't believe it when when like when the movie came out which he liked very much the movie with johnny depp um the Tim Burton movie. Yeah. Um, and uh he, he couldn't believe that Edward, you know, was being sort of rediscovered and reappreciated, but, you know, then he did you know, he did give a lot of interviews about working with him and at that time. My father started, you know, doing uh the work for him in the fifties when it was kind of a low period in my father's yeah life. He had been pretty serious um alcoholic and was able to, um, with my mother's help and ultimatum was able to to get past that, but this was sort of a period where he wasn 't finding regular work and he was you know no longer under contract and he was older and it was a low period for him and he and he and he took these jobs and um i guess and he liked Edward actually because he thought he was very you know sincere and kind of um, enthusiastic, which he was as portrayed by by Johnny Depp. Uh-huh. So, you know, he didn't have that much of a sense of irony about himself. The irony has all been sort of imposed, you know, afterwards. But um, but he would pay all of the actors in coins and bills that he would just kind of give them all crumpled up, you know, at the end of each day of work and <laughs> and, you know, he, he didn't pay them checks or anything. He would just you know, he did he promised he would pay every day and he did, but they were kind of, you know, it was all pulled out of, sort of linty out of his pocket. So
1: <laughs> Let's talk about, you mentioned your mom, your dad, uh, well, your father had no less than four wives before he found your mother, and you you note in your book that if, if your 20-year-old daughter announced an engagement to a 46-year-old man with a problem with alcohol and four prior marriages, you'd be pretty <laughs> glum, but yet your parents had a long-lasting, successful marriage.
0: I know, it's true. I have to say, just on paper, it looked so unpromising. I mean... <laughs> It was 26 years older. They met when my mom was 18. Um, they married when she was 20, and we never knew exactly how many times before until I I, I did, <laughs> did the book and found it in been four. Had a serious drinking problem, and in between the marriages, you know, he just was a was what they used to call a ladies' man, and it did not seem promising. But in the end, they were really they were extremely well suited. My mom was she was then an actress, she um, didn't didn't keep up her acting career after she married and had kids, but she was um, like a super lively, fun person with a kind of a raunchy sense of humor, but she was really like um, kind of a straight shooter in other ways, and she didn't drink, and she was um, just a really decent person with a really good sort of moral compass, and so my father, who was a sweet person, but I think didn't have as much kind of of an internal, you know, compass, um, was (laughs) sort of taken in hand by her in a good way, I think. And he he really did want to have kids, and he was older, and so this was, you know, going to probably be one of his last chances. I mean, he was 60 when I was born, and he was actually kind of against all odds like a really great dad which again I don't think he would have you would have predicted necessarily um but he was very loving and very sweet and he always said again that he was so lucky because he sort of got to have two lives he got to have this incredibly you know adventurous first half and then he got to have this very settled very lovely Marriage, um, and my mom actually died first, which I think is not what you expect yeah. when you marry someone 26 years younger. Sure. But yeah, it was a very happy marriage.
1: Well, your father said he never turned down a role that he was offered, and that's not necessarily considered a good thing for one's career in Hollywood. <laughs> but uh, from what I can gather, your your dad considered it was a kind of a duty to entertain if he was asked, so he'd always say yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true, and um so he was. Yeah, he was in a lot of really schlocky stuff. Um, <laughs> as a result but he really loved to work i mean he loved acting and so i think partly it was sort of like you know he'd get a little mopey be- between parts and then you know the agent would call and it was like you know hallelujah now i'm i'm going to be back up there on stage or back on in front of the cameras entertaining people yeah i mean i think he did have kind of um a sense of duty about it i mean he loved it but he also felt like you know, when you're on, you're really on. I mean, he was a real, you know, people say a trooper. He was just a real trooper, you know. was also just somebody who, like, you know, when he would go to the grocery store, would get kind of dressed up and, and you know, wear cologne. And, he, yeah. you know, he always, he was kind of a, a dandy in that way, but almost yeah. felt like this is kind of what you owe people. You know, they expect you to look your best. And so, and you know, which I think a lot of people of that generation had, but I think... For actors, obviously, even even more so, and he was kind of vain. So, but but it was vain. It had kind of a sweetness too in his vanity. I I have to say.
1: Well, people look up Lyle Talbot on the IMDb website, and I hope they will. It's really astonishing how many entries there are. A lot of a lot of TV work. Uh, he was uh, he played the neighbor role, I guess, in Ozzy and Harriet for many years. But uh, the one one really caught my eye that I, you mentioned in the book that was just so funny. Uh, in the wake of california electing uh, ronald reagan as governor and, and and george murphy to the senate your dad appeared on the tv show green acres in the role of senator lyle talbot which i find so funny
0: <laughs> yeah yeah no it's true i mean he as he got older and he was doing character roles he was doing a lot like he would be in a lot of western western shows you know where he would be like the banker yeah. or the doctor or yeah and then a lot of senators and uh and all that kind of stuff yeah and um he was not a fan of ronald reagan um who he had known a little bit um but yeah he he did he did play a number of politicians
1: well, uh, y- y- your dad and your mom leave, leave behind a remarkable legacy, and I, and I don't mean just in film and theater. I did, I did meet your sister Cindy at the Castro, and, and she was openly joking that she was the least distinguished sibling because she only runs a family practice program in Portland, whereas you write for The New Yorker, David founded Salon.com, and your brother Stephen's award-winning uh, documentary filmmaker. So by any standard, that's an unusual concentration of talent. So uh, clearly your mom and dad did a lot of things right, and I gather they themselves were impressed at how you guys all turned out.
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's I think my parents did a did a great job, and I think they were they were kind of astonished neither of them you know finished high school. I think it meant a lot to them it meant a lot to them that that Cindy my sister became a doctor i mean they were enormously proud of her but i think yeah they were very um and they used to always crack me up because my brother steve was a was a was a kid actor he was on leave it to beaver um for many years mm-hmm. and uh was in several twilight zones and other other uh, early tv you know eventually he decided he he wanted to concentrate more on school and on sports which he was into and didn't want to continue with his acting career and my parents would always say to him well you can acting is always there for you to fall back on you can <laughs> always you know and it's it's like the least likely to be at the right. for, you know the least practical and uh, reliable profession but they were very encouraging of our you know sort of creative interests. And uh, I think, you know, my dad was such a great storyteller. um, You know, he had a lot of great stories to tell, but he also just really um, at the kitchen table and, you know, driving us around, he, you know, he would entertain us a lot with stories of his Hollywood days and and pre-Hollywood days. And so I think that did inspire um, storytelling in my brothers and I in particular.
1: The book is The Entertainer, Movies, Magic, and My Father's 20th Century. we have been speaking with author Margaret Talbot. Uh, Margaret, I want to close by reiterating how much I enjoyed this book and, and how you managed to shine some light on seemingly every decade in the 20th century. I, I hope you write a few more books.
0: Oh, thank you so much. You're such a good interviewer.
1: Thank you, thank you. This has been great. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. does it for the program on next week's show we'll be speaking with our old pal dr andy jones and also james israel of the humor times which is celebrating its 25th anniversary this month this program was produced by edward mcmillan you've been listening to radio parallax i'm douglas everett we'll see you next week at the same time